In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. and gentlemen i know i know what you're thinking for so long i've heard the echoes from the mountaintops more david solomon well we're back ladies and gentlemen we are back and we have the one and only david solomon here so to all the mystical seekers of knowledge please join me in extending this warm welcome as a director of undergraduate research and creative activity at the office of research and creative activity the Center for Sustainability and Education. No, not about me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna, the Center for Sustainability. I'm going to kick it over to you, David. I, okay. I think that you can do it much better than I can. <laughs> well, thanks for having me back. Good to see you again. Um, yeah, I'm at Christopher Newport University in Newport News, Virginia, um, where I do uh, direct the Office of Student Research and Creative Activity. And um, I've been teaching. I'm a professor of uh, medieval English literature, religion, and for uh, several decades now, um, and uh, still teach courses here in an honors program and a museum studies program, and um, written a bunch of books. Most recent book is on the Seven Deadly Sins, which George has been kind enough to talk to me about, and uh, started. Oops. There we are. There we are. You're back. We're back. Started my career off in graduate school, um, working on a dissertation on Catholic mysticism in the Renaissance. And so uh, we've been talking for the last uh, few meetings about various mystics. And today we've got Ignatius Loyola. So. Ignatius <clears throat> Loyola. You know, I had some ways in which I was going to phrase some of my questions. And one of them was like in this esoteric frame. I thought about starting off with something like, how did the convalescent interlude of Ignatius of Loyola metamorphose into a crucible for his mystic sojourn, birthing the alchemy of the spiritual exercises? But then I okay, went. Okay, we, we 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 have to delete Chat GPT from your computer. <laughs> I'm like a bad a bad I'm essay written by one of my students that was generated by Chat GPT. We should have a whole thing on that. Like, can you tell the difference between this and this? And I bet yeah. you that you can. I bet it's yeah. totally plausible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Ignatius yeah. is 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 a really interesting figure. I mean, uh, agreed. You know, founder of the Jesuits. Um, he lived from 1491 to 1556, um, and he was a he was a soldier who was uh, really mortally wounded, and um, in his convalescence, as you said, um, in 1521, experienced a conversion, and had a mystical experience. And um, from that grew uh, the development of uh, the Society of Jesus, the Jesuits, um, finally founded in 1541, largely but not exclusively as a reaction of the church to the Reformation, um, a way to help to um, defend the Catholic Church um, against the growing Protestant Reformation in the middle of the 16th century. 
Um, Jesuits uh, almost immediately became known for um, education um, and scientific study and um, and travel. Um, so, I mean, to this, and, and those are, are, are legacies that really we still feel today. I mean, education, I mean, uh, you know, several of the best universities um, in the U.S. are um, were founded by Jesuits. Um, Fordham University, which is where I started as an undergraduate with the Jesuits, and uh, Creighton and Omaha. I mean, there's this a bunch Gonzaga, um, good Jesuit institutions that are grounded in not just a Catholic belief, but a real um, serious devotion to the pursuit of knowledge through study and research um, and science. Um, some of the earliest um, Jesuits in the 16th century and 17th century were, um, were well-known scientists, um, which seems for a lot of people inconsistent with being, you know, Catholic, but, um, but it was not. And um, also several that really um, traveled far and wide, uh, most notably uh, Matteo Ricci, who um, ex ex traveled extensively to China um, in order to 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 proselytize and certainly to to try to convert people, but uh, but also in the process integrating a lot of different ideas from different traditions when you're exposed to them and expose those cultures. Um, so uh, Ignatius uh, writes a book called The Spiritual Exercises. Um, almost immediately after his conversion in, in the first couple of years, which has become the, um, the handbook, if you will, for um, a kind of Ignatian spirituality. Um, it's, it's, I mean, one of the things that I was attracted to and, and my, my, my very first publication back in graduate school was actually an essay on um, Ignatian spirituality and Jung's active imagination mm. because there's a great deal in Ignatian mysticism about imaging and imagining that word comes up repeatedly in the text um so much you know it, it, it's and I, I I made a note here because um you know it, it, it's it's everywhere um that 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 having what Jung would eventually call active imagination. Um, but it's interesting because he, on the opening page of Spiritual Exercises, um, Ignatius writes that um, it's not an abundance of knowledge that fills and satisfies the soul, but rather an interior understanding and savoring of things. And so the spiritual exercises are really focused on reflection and contemplation and not on um, a, a, an external pursuit. Uh, so a little bit different from some of the other mystics that we've looked at, um, and at the same time, uh, you know, similar to some other ones as well. But, I, I, you know, I, I and the spiritual exercises is, is intended to be conducted. They are exercises. Um, you have a director who directs you through the exercises. That's the way Ignatius laid it out and thought that it should be uh it should be done it's not something that really somebody can do on their own um it typically takes um 30 days to complete the whole thing um but it sometimes can be adjusted for for shorter kinds of uh retreats but the emphasis in in ignatian spirituality and mysticism is on a personal experiential encounter with god so it is it is a very personal experience it's a very internal experience but it is an experience that you do have i mean it is experiential in other words the imagining that goes on is is real sounds kind of contradictory but um and, and so i think that's a big part of uh, of what he's about yeah it's i love the idea of the personal experience of the divine. And I, sometimes I think that that may be the thread that strings together these, these different mystics that we've spoken about is that it's their, it's their own, even though it's their own individual account of what's happening, 
on some level, we really resonate with that. And I, maybe you could speak. Yeah. And I love the idea of, of imagery and, and imagination and tying Carl Jung to Ignatius and the Jesuits. What is that something that's unique to the Jesuits? Is, is that this idea? Um, well, I mean, there's two different things going okay. on, right? So there is that personal experience. Yes. I mean, if you read Ignatius's autobiography, which is absolutely a, a fantastic, um, very short um, text, it's, it's not very long at all. Um, but he tells you exactly what he experienced and, um, and, and what happened. And that's the, his personal take. Um, spiritual exercises, he's clearly writing for others. Mm. Um, he's writing it as, as I say, a, a kind of a handbook right. um, for other people. Um, you know, I, I'm just looking at the autobiography right now and um you know in in the in the opening um chapter of it um i'll just i'll just read a paragraph yeah, here please. um he talks about how he in his convalescence i mean he was his leg had been um severely injured um and it was broken and then reset and then broken again, and he, he actually refers to it in the English translation as butchery. Mm. Um, and he wa he walked with a limp for the rest of his life. Uh, it's amazing that he walked at all, to be honest, after what he went through. But um, he goes on to talk about that while he was in that um, recovery, he was given um, to reading, as he calls them, worldly and fictitious books. Um, usually, he says, called books of chivalry. So books mm. about knighthood and and that kind of thing right um and then he says when he felt better he asked to be given some of them to pass the time but in that house none of those that he usually read could be found so they gave him a life of christ and a book of the lives of the saints in spanish as he read over them many times he became rather fond of what he found written there he was not a believer necessarily before then putting his reading aside he sometimes stopped to think about the things he had read and at other times about the things of the world that he used to think about before. Of the many vain things that presented themselves to him, one took soul, such hold on his heart that he was absorbed in thinking about it for two or three or four hours without realizing it. He imagined what he would do in the service of a certain lady, the means he would take so he could go to the country where she lived, the verses, the words he would say to her, the deeds of arms he would do in her service. He became so conceited with this that he did not consider how impossible it would be because the lady was not of the lower nobility, nor a countess, nor a duchess, but her station was higher than any of these. And he continues then, nevertheless, our Lord assisted him, causing other thoughts that arose from the things he read to follow these. While reading the life of our Lord and of the saints, he stopped to think, reasoning within himself, quote, what if I should do what St. Francis did? what St. Dominic did. So he pondered over many things that he found to be good, always proposing to himself what was difficult and serious. And as he proposed them, they seemed to him easy to accomplish. But his every thought was to say to himself, St. Dominic did this, therefore I have to do it. St. Francis did this, therefore I have to do it. These thoughts also lasted a good while. But when other matters intervened, the worldly thoughts mentioned above returned. He also spent much time on them. This succession of such diverse thoughts, either of the worldly deeds he wished to achieve or of the deeds of God that came to his imagination, lasted for a long time, and he always dwelt at length on the thought before him until he tired of it and put it aside and turned to other matters. And then he goes on to talk about how there was there was a difference then, and he, he developed a desire to imitate the saints um, and go, and, and, and he had an image of... Um, mary with the baby jesus and this was his his mystical his first mystical encounter sure. and um it, it it's 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 interesting because this is um you know ha having as i say i started my undergraduate education at fordham university with the jesuits ended up writing my doctoral dissertation on jesuits um and uh the jesuit 
education. I mean, the, 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 the way that one is educated in the Jesuit construct is so clearly developed out of Ignatius's autobiography and spiritual exercises. It's focused on being um, very well-rounded, getting a very broad um, sense of, of the world. Um, I mean, I, I remember as a, as a freshman, um, you know, this is many years ago, I'm sure the curriculum has changed significantly now, but uh, we, we had a core curriculum. And so um, all of us took um, in our freshman year and sophomore year, we had to take a history class, a theology class, a philosophy class, and an English class. Um, freshman year and sophomore year, you had to have one of each of those. And, um, you know, I have to say, I mean, you know, those are not necessarily all classes I would have taken yeah. of my own volition. Um, and, uh, you know, the theology class, I mean, I remember taking the theology class freshman year and I was completely lost. Because here I was a, a Bronx Jew at a Catholic <laughs> institution. I think I was the only Jew in the class. Um, it was uh, Foundations of Christian Theology with Father Baldwin. And um, I, I still have the textbook somewhere here in my office from that class. Because I remember when we got to the chapter on the Trinity, I, I just I was completely baffled. I mean, all these Catholic kids in the class understood exactly what he was talking about. And I was like, what is this, three gods? What? I knew nothing about Catholicism. But I, I think that 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 um, grounding is it come it comes right out of Ignatius's own experience, I think, of of really reading and thinking and reflecting. I love the language and the idea of worldly thoughts pulling you back from the ideas yeah. of Satan like that. It, it speaks to so it speaks to me and I'm sure you and so many of the people listening is that often we find ourselves in this. Maybe it's our own world of mysticism or it's our own ideas or our own divinity or or whatever connection we have. And then we're pulled screeching back yeah. by the worldly thoughts. <laughs> and it's I think it's especially difficult, you know, today. I mean, not just not just today as in today because of what's going on in the world currently, yeah. which, you know, itself is enough of a mess. But um, but just our contemporary world and the fact that there is such a um a distinction and a division between um what we would call you know the worldly and the spiritual yeah um and people i think as we've talked about before they, they kind of crave the spiritual and the worldly keeps pulling them the other way yeah. um it's and it's difficult not to i mean you know it, it i mean you know the one of the, the great ironies of the 21st century is, is all these meditation apps on your phone, right? I mean, you know, it just seems yeah. completely uh, counterintuitive that I got to use my phone in order to meditate <laughs> um, when that's the thing that's getting in the way to begin with. But, uh, but as I think, you know, what we are really experiencing is a real um, just, I don't want to say conflict, but um we're running up against a lot of the same things that Ignatius ran up against. It's just in a different guise, you know? Um, I mean, he had to deal with the world, you know, and the world was, the world is not a, uh, a pretty place in, in, in a lot of ways. It's uh, you know, I mean, we don't want to go off on a tangent here into what's going on in the middle East, but you know, I mean, the, 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 the situation is so troubling for everybody and, you know, I think what's interesting is that somebody posted something this morning that I actually reposted on my Facebook page, and they said it's it's okay to be heartbroken for more than one group of people at the same time. Um, you know, this feeling like, well, you you either have to be with yeah. the side of the Palestinians or the side of the Israelis. It's like, you know, you can be heartbroken for both of them. Um, they're both in 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 a bad situation, but. Um, I think part of the the point of the spiritual exercises is to give people that break to separate from the worldly and to focus on the internal and the the, the reflective for a period of 30 days but as i say i mean ignatius is clear and it's it's clear all throughout the early jesuits writing that 
this is not something that you pick up and do yourself. Um, you're supposed to have a spiritual director who's going to guide you through it because there are things that you're going to encounter as there often are when you do this kind of work, which are going to be difficult. Um, and Ignatius knew that, and he believed that you, it wasn't necessary for you to struggle and go through that on your own. So in a way, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a precursor of the whole modern idea of, of, of cognitive behavioral therapy, right? Yeah. Um, of having somebody who you talk with, it's talk therapy. And in some ways, I think that's what spiritual exercises is. It's talk therapy. Yeah. I, I think there's something to be said about rites of passage and ceremony and the circle in which we talk, whether it's see, cognitive behavior theory or whether it's a ceremony that happens. When you're inside this ceremonial circle, it could be a church, it could be a yeah. gathering, whatever. I think that in that circle, everybody gets to feel the pain of the other person. And there's something really healing about that. You yeah. know, when you, when you talk about, Hey, we're all here together. Or I, I've seen this really cool ritual where women who have lost children, they, they enter into this circle and then the men surround them, mm. you know, and it's like this circle within a circle. And it's just like the, the imagery of that alone is, is kind of gives me goosebumps to think yeah. about. Like here's these men holding space for these women who have lost something, but we've all lost something on some level. Right. Right? I think right. that's what the Jesuit writings kind of get down to. And when you start thinking about, yeah. well, I mean, I, I mean, and a lot of that is chalk that up to our whole concept of empathy, right. Of, yes. of being able to empathize and being able to understand um, the suffering of others. Yes. Um, and 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 I think that's a challenging thing for us, you know, to deal with, um, because I'm not even sure I, I I know what that means to understand the suffering of others, you know. I mean, I can I can, you know. I mean, it's the difference between sympathy and empathy, right? Mm. Um, you know, sympathy. I'm sorry for what you're going through. Empathy. I know what you're going through. Um, I've been that's there. I can, I understand it in that in a different way, and. Um, I mean, I can't empathize with people who are, you know, whose homes are being bombed. Um, I've never been in that situation, um, but I, I can I can understand suffering. Yes. Um, and 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 I guess that that's something that a lot of people have to work out. You know, I mean, I'm just looking out my window here. It's over now. We had a group of students outside um, who, for the last hour and a half, have been quote-unquote, protesting on the steps of our administration building. It was a pro-Palestinian rally. Um, and I'm just sitting here thinking, you know, do they really know and understand what's going on? Do they get it? Um, because a lot, and, and I don't mean to dis be dismissive, sure. but a lot of a lot of students at that age, they don't. They're learning. Um, you know, I had a whole discussion with my class several weeks ago um, because I'm teaching the Bible this semester. And um, the attacks happened the week, ironically, that we were just about to discuss First wow. and Second Samuel, wow. so discuss kings and the development in that whole region. And so we came into class, and I, I said, you know, we, we, we can't ignore this. I said, you know, our, I said our area is suddenly hot. And um, so one of the things that I did with my class was I brought up Google Earth. And I showed them the region on Google Earth, and I was able to zoom into Gaza. And, you know, it's one thing to hear that it's one of the most populated places on, on the planet. It's another thing to see it on Google Earth to zoom in at a street level and see how close everything is. It makes it much more real. Wow. It also helped because, quite honestly, you know, um, Newport News, where I live, is a peninsula in Virginia. And Newport News is just about the same size as the Gaza Strip. Um, it's 25 miles long and eight miles wide at its widest spot. And so all of that just made it real for them. They asked a lot of questions, which was great. Um, they didn't know a lot. So they, I was you know, glad that they asked yeah. questions. And one of my students at the end, actually, um, at the end of that discussion for about 20 minutes, said thank you she said because um we don't have cable in the dorms so we we where are we getting our news from um and most of them of course are getting most of their news from social media which is notoriously inaccurate and um so we've done check-ins 
just about every week to say, you know, okay, what's going on now? What questions do you have? You know, what's, what's arisen? And, um, and I, I, I do think that all people, whether they're of my students age or, or, or old men like us, George, um, <laughs> who, you know, they want to have that capacity for, um, sympathizing with people who are suffering. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is that most of us lead pretty charmed lives and, um, and don't really understand that level of suffering. And, um, it's difficult to convey that, I think, um, Boy, that took us a whole different direction from Ignatius, but no, sorry. I think it's relevant. Not at all. I think it's totally relevant. And I, I love the idea of getting to hear students learn in real time, you know, in a conversational setting, like where you sit down yeah. and you talk about it versus like, I read this thing from this guy who has his friend that was over, you know, like that's right. Yeah. Like, I mean, I show them, I show them the, the, uh, the live webcam of the Temple Mount. You can, look at the mm. Western wall live 24 hours a day. Um, and you can see how close everything is. The Dome of the Rock is right there. I mean, it's the, you know, it's one thing to talk about the fact that these things are literally on top of each other. Yeah. It's another thing to show it. And so I had, I never forget, I had it up on the screen and, um, and one of the kids in my class sort of got startled and said, wait a minute, that's live. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's a live shot. You know, you're watching and it was like one 30 in the morning. And there are people at the, at the Western Wall, um, and so you know, as far as you know, the the use of, of of the internet when it comes to things like this can be really helpful um, to make it, I think, more real. Um, as you say, it's one thing to read about it in the textbook, but uh, to see it actually is different. See, this is what one of many reasons why I admire what you're doing. I, I feel like you're pioneering a whole new way of learning. I'm going to bring in this live shot of what's actually happening. We just happen to be teaching this part of Samuel right now. Like it's so interactive and so unique to what you're doing. Obviously there's a reason you're the creative director. Like you're creating (laughs) new ways for people to learn. It's a beautiful. I I, I mean, I, I I mean, that came from, you know, the, the attacks that just happened. And, and that day, actually we were, I was out with my family where we're out on a shopping trip out up in Richmond about an hour away. And um, thankfully, because I, I, I usually do bring it when we do these shopping trips, I had my earbuds with me um, because <laughs> I can't take the, 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 the shopping noise. And um, so I had the CNN simulcast on the whole day. I was listening to the whole thing. And, um, you know, I was thinking to myself, you know, I got to go in and teach Tuesday night. How am I going to talk about this? And it occurred to me, I think the next day I was sitting at home that, you know, well, you know, they kept saying on the news that Gaza is one of the most populated places, densely populated places on the planet. It's like, well, how can I convey that and really show them? It's like, oh, Google Earth. So. Yeah, it's, I, I love it. I, the pioneering, that's all I can think of. Like, that's the well, word that comes to it. It's, it's, and it must be done. Like, you have to find new ways to teach people yeah. about history that's happening as we speak like it's moving so fast right now like how do you possibly have an idea of the of i don't know how do you incorporate the past when the future is moving so quickly right in front of you right yeah it's really hard um (laughs) you know and because we live in a world where things are moving so quickly yeah it's tough i mean i always tell my students um when i'm preparing them to go and present at conferences um i tell them what i do which i'm if i'm at a conference the first thing that I do the morning that I'm going to be presenting a paper is I turn on the news. I want to see what happened overnight because that may have changed the entire tone of the day. Um, you know, so, you know, if I'm giving a presentation on just, let's say for argument's sake on something to do with the temple Mount and, you know, overnight there was an attack there. If I don't know about that and I go and I give the same presentation I sound tone deaf. Um, and so I think it's really important to keep up on what's going on. Now, by the same token, of course, um, there's the danger of getting sucked into it. Um, mm. and, and I was for quite a while, months ago, and I really had to cut back on my watching of news because it was it, it had gotten out of control and, uh, and it was not making me feel good. And yeah. so, you know, now I limit the amount of, of TV news I watch 
Um, you know, I, I read my, my New York Times every day and I'm watching updates throughout the day as they come across my phone. But unless there's a significant thing that happens, I don't usually um, switch it on during the day because it's just it's too much. Um, it's it's over it's overwhelming, especially because um, the news more than ever now in 2023 is so reliant on visuals, mm -hmm. right? I mean, it, it, it's it's funny if people go back and YouTube, um, you know, news broadcasts from the 1960s and 70s. You know, half of it is the anchor sitting there in the studio talking to you. There's no pictures. There's no video. There's nothing. Um, and now, you know, everything is reliant on this this embedded on the scene video, which on the one hand is fantastic, but on the other hand, I think it also is having a negative effect on some people, um, because, you know, you you and I remember the the first Gulf War and yeah. and, and watching that develop live on CNN. And we were just absolutely astonished. It was like, oh, my God, this is what's happening. And we're watching it live. The bombing of Baghdad. We're watching this live with, you know, Wolf Blitzer. Who, you know, that's really his name. It's like, <laughs> how is that possible? And um, but I think and my students agree with me. They say that largely now we become desensitized to it. And so, you know, we see this on TV. We see this on the news, this um, violence and this pain, and it doesn't have the same effect because we're desensitized. Um, you, you know, and, and I don't know if that's, if there are other cultural issues to blame for that, I'm not looking to do that. Um, but, you know, I, I mean, I, when I watch film of the, 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 the Twin Towers falling, it still gives me a chill. Um, and I remember, you know, seeing it live. And, you know, but I don't know whether or not later generations have that same sense and i guess that that's part of of just growth and presentism i mean i suppose that you and mm. i wouldn't have the same reaction to watching a video of the bombing of pearl harbor um as we would say to the to the attack of of 9-11 or or anything you know more in more recent memory in our memory um so I, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's it's um, it's a, it's an interesting, it's an interesting issue that we're going to have to deal with for the future here. Um, but you know, I, I I do encourage people. I mean, if you've never watched, I mean, go back and watch Walter Cronkite talking about Kennedy being assassinated, um, the anniversary of which is what coming up next Wednesday, yeah. um, two weeks to the day after my birthday, yeah. um, and. Um, and, you know, and most of it was Cronkite sitting there in the studio on the phone, listening to people call in and talk to him and tell him what was going on. There was no video. Um, and when he announced that Kennedy was dead, it was it was him in the studio announcing Kennedy's dead. It wasn't even a picture of Kennedy up on the screen. Um, very different now. Very different. And I don't buy into that whole visual learner nonsense. I mean, that pretty much has been been debunked. But, uh, you know, certainly we're a more visual culture than we've ever been. Yeah, it's. And that kind of brings you back to Ignatius, because, I mean, that's what he's talking about. Well, imagery and imagine. imagine. Yeah. You know, the visual. I mean, so much of spiritual exercises is about imagining and, and images of Jesus and images of Mary and thinking about this. And 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 that's why I think it was such a good connection with with. Um, with Carl Jung's active imagination, because that's yeah. kind of what, what Ignatius is saying that you need to do is, is, is use your imagination in, in a, in a kind of an active sense, actively let, let, engage with it. Let me, let me bring it back for just another minute. Like I think yeah. it's so fascinating to think about the ideas of, of, you know, the, the last, the, the, the Gulf war or even Kennedy being assassinated and the idea of someone sitting on the screen and giving you their words and then you imagining what's happening mm. in some ways it, you know, in some ways you are, I want to stick to the topic of like imagining what nine 11 was for us. The next generation can only have our account of what happened. And all mm -hmm. of a sudden, the further we ripple away from the event, 
the more convoluted it becomes. Sure. And in some ways, that's exactly what's happening right now, right? Like mm -hmm. how much of what's happening at the Temple Mount live cam are convoluted ripples of what happened thousands of years ago? How can anybody <laughs> really thoroughly have an understanding of, of, of what it is? And yeah. I, I, it's, it's well, fascinating. That that's why so much there's such a stress, and I mean Ignatius is doing it in the 16th yes. century on yeah. on experiential, on the experiential. Yes. You have to experience this. Yes. Um, you know, and, and in higher ed today we talk about experiential learning, right? Mm -hmm. That you have to go on study abroad trips. You know, do research, do internships. You have to actually have the experiences because that's the way that you learn, not just sitting in the classroom reading about it in a book. Um, and I think that, you know, that's what's so revolutionary about it, what Ignatius is doing in spiritual exercises is he's saying, yeah, OK, you're reading this in the book, but now you have to experience this. So you have to engage on a different level with your imagination and your intellect and have that experience. Um, it's not just something that you're reading on a page. And um, that's a that's a, a, a pretty new way of doing things. Okay, let me, let me propose this radical question to you. Is it possible that the people who are in the midst of the worst traumas ever are the most fortunate people who get to experience spirituality? It seems like you're the closest to it. I know that that's, that's a radical yeah. thing to think about, but maybe we start looking at the Holy Land. We start looking, forget about even destinations. Like when you are close to death, are you the person that's touched by spirit in a way that no one else is? Is that why so many people want to walk up to that edge? Yeah. Um, it's possible. I just, I don't know whether they have the objectivity to be able to mm. realize it. Yeah. That's a great point. Right. Yes. Um, because when you're, so, when you're, when you're in the midst of that trauma, I, it just, it becomes all consuming, you know, and, and the only way to, to perhaps be able to understand it is to then reflect on it and somewhat objectively in retrospect, if you're able to. Yes. Um, I mean, I think that's what a lot of us do, for example, with, you know, if we were affected traumatically by what happened on 9-11, for whatever reason, um, you know, in, in, in the midst of it, in the moment, it was, we didn't understand that. But then looking back at it, we realized, I mean, that's what PTSD is all about, right? Mm. Um, you know, post-traumatic stress that, that you, you, you realize that, oh my God, that was incredibly traumatic. And, you know, it happened in the past, but there's still a, a lingering effect from it right. that now I can start to try to, you know, unpack when, which I couldn't do when I was in the midst of it. Yeah. And I think that that's what so many of these mystics help me seeing is that there's a way to integrate. Like here's people from hundreds of years ago that had ways of integration that, you know, are are still cutting edge today. If you really read them, like, I mean, they're pretty cutting edge, right? To think yeah, about. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and still being, you know, actively <laughs> more relevant used. than ever. So, you know, and probably more important than ever given, <laughs> yes. given the way the world is right now. Right. Um, yes. Uh, you know, I mean, the, the, I mean, my gosh, the number of, of meditation groups online, never mind online, but even just locally, you know, yep. in, in your, in your local, neighborhood that there are all sorts of groups like that that are engaged in that kind of introspection um take a moment right i mean the, the the jewish community center here had started a meditation group ironically it was just a couple of weeks before the attacks in september and um and i went to the the first meeting it was going to be a monthly meeting and um the second meeting was supposed to have occurred the night we had, ended up having a rally after the attacks mm. so they postponed it um, but you know, I think meditation is is uh, is probably more important now than than ever. Um, and you know, in, in in and using that word in a very broad sense, right? Um, yeah. I mean, I think that's what that's what we're asking um, our leaders to do, right? Stop and and reflect and think before you act. Um, and and we don't do that enough just as human beings anymore. There's too much, too much reaction um, to things and not enough, you know, let me think about this first, right? Yeah. 
you know, I mean, the, 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 I mean, the, there are things, I think there are apps that you can actually get that will delay the sending of an email, right? So when you, it, it won't send it out immediately because, you know, 10 minutes later you realize, oh, I shouldn't have said that. So I want to go back and fix it. But if you click send, you're screwed. Um, you know, so I, it, there's too much reactive. Um, and that's, I mean, that's what's, that's the, the, the discussion that's going on at the moment in Israel, right? Is that, yeah. that Netanyahu is, is reacting to what happened on October 7th. And, and, you know, and in one sense you say, well, you can't blame them, but I think what they're, what's being asked is that they stop for a second and just, and, and think a little bit. I mean, because it was interesting Netanyahu, yeah. even when when he when it was asked that they stop, that they that they not have a ceasefire, but I forget the way that they were referring to it. Right. He he even brought up nine eleven, and he said the United States reacted almost immediately to nine eleven, and mm. you know you can't expect that we're not going to do the same. But wow, you know, too many of our leaders. I mean, they they don't reflect. Yeah, two wrongs don't make a right. No, um, no, they don't. And and you know, as I said earlier, I mean, you know, it's okay to to feel pain for two different groups of people. Um, I mean, you know, personally, I feel pain for for both. Yeah, um, I mean, the Palestinians are going through hell, and uh, you know, the Israelis are as well. Um, it is not a good situation on either side. And, uh, you know, in, in discussing this a few weeks ago with a group that I was at, a local group here in town, um, you know, it was sort of agreed that, well, the only solution here to this problem is the two-state solution. And it's like, well, yeah, but we've been saying that for years. And in the current state of things, that's, I mean, any, any solution is out the window. Um, it's not going to happen right now. But, it's I mean, we can true, only hope yeah. that... That eventually uh, cooler heads, I guess, will prevail and that uh, people will, uh, the, the suffering on both sides will ease up. I, we can hope that. We can. Uh, and I mean, you know, the, 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 of course, the, the, the pessimist in me says, <laughs> I don't see it happening anytime soon. And I don't see it happening anytime soon. I mean, part of the problem for the Palestinians is they have nowhere to go. Um, you know, I mean, Israel is committed to to, to eliminating Hamas, and uh, it's difficult to do that without um, having Palestinian casualties, as we've seen. And yes, they told them move to the south; that didn't really work. Um, but they're stuck. They're in a they're in a strip of land that's twenty five miles long and eight miles wide. They can't get out. Um, the border into Israel, of course, is closed. The Egyptian border at Rafah, they will not take Palestinians. Um, and so I, I, what, are the, what are they supposed to do? Uh, I, I don't know what the answer to that question is, you know. Um, and and it, it, it reminds me of back at, after 9-11, I was living in South Dakota at the time, and um, a colleague of mine, who is a Muslim uh, political scientist. He and I, I think I've told you, we did this sort of dog and pony show. We went around the state for South Dakota Public Radio giving a talk on what the, what the basic issues were because all of a sudden everyone was interested in the history of it all. And um, so I became the, the, uh, you know, the expert on Judaism. He became the expert on Islam, even though neither one of us have either <laughs> of those fields as our expertise. It was kind of funny. But um, people wanted to understand what the nature of it was. And, you know, a, a lot of the conflict in the region has um, very, very little to do with religion. It's not about that. It's about land. It's about land that people see as being promised to them. And they want their land. And, uh, you know. The Palestinians and these, I mean, the, that's the problem. You're in a region there where there are a lot of different people who claim the land is theirs. Um, and, you know, I was watching John Oliver the other night and, <laughs> and he was talking about what's going on. 
and he said, um, you know, I, I don't really have any solution to it. He said, and and this is the last um, voice that you want to hear that coming from uh, because of the British accent, <laughs> because the British, of course, you know, also <laughs> responsible for, for screwing this all up to begin with. Right. So, um, you know, it's it, it's it's such a complex problem, such a complex problem. And um, I don't know. I mean, I have a colleague here who's Israeli. She's our, our new Jewish studies professor. I had coffee with her last week. Um, she's flying home, um, I think, next week. Um, she's going to go home, I, I guess, for the Thanksgiving uh, break. So she is going home. Her daughter is in the military. She's been called up. Um, I, I don't know how you how you deal with that, how you cope with that. And and not to not to mention we haven't even talked about the you know the 240 hostages um, who we know barely anything about at this point. We don't even know whether they're still alive. Yeah, it, it it's like a I think David and Goliath on so many levels. You know, like it's just it's so it's on it's I, I can't help but look, look at that region. And be like, oh, my God, it's 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 oh, it's it's just transformed. You know, yeah. it's it's a different. And, and I speak. Well, the interesting thing ignorance. is that the area where Goliath was from, the Philistines, was part part of what what is the present day Gaza Strip was the Philistines area. <laughs> yeah. A little further, a little further to the wow. north, but the. The northern part of the Gaza Strip and then north was was the was the Philistines settlement when that occurred. In a you know you know on a on, on a on a level of extreme possibility and positivity, might this be the very thing that a new biblical moment can come from? Like this moment of peace, like could this not be a point in time where things change forever? Where instead of looking at these old problems of the past and the land that was promised to us, perhaps this is a, a flexion point where we're, hey, we're looking in a mirror. This is the mirror image. This this group is the mirror image of this group. Yeah. It's one. We're all one right here. Like I can see on some level some sort of spiritual being emerging from the ashes of this incredible travesty that's happened here and and there's so many scriptures that talk about that happening like maybe 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 there is a moment of peace that is among us that we can't quite see yet is that too positive to think about i don't know i mean i would hope that that's true i think the problem is that there we live and 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 this is not new but we live in a world in which there's a lot of hate um and a lot of a lot of divisiveness if, as you and i were talking about before yeah. we went on air and and um, a lot of groups that are that are highly polarized, and as we said, you and I earlier talking off air, you know, some leaders who who either you know get off on that or or who benefit from it. Yeah, um, both. And so that's you know, I mean, Hamas is, you know, I mean, they they they're, they were elected by the Palestinians to to govern the area. Now everybody says, well, they got what they you know. Well, the choices were really bad at the time. I mean, you know, yeah. it was not like they had great choices. And um, but Hamas has has had as its um, chief tenet to to kill Jews and the destruction of Israel. That that is what they're set on doing. And so, you know, on the other side, then the Israelis say, well, how are we going to negotiate peace with them? They don't want peace. Hmm. Um, there is no solution there. And so, you know, I, I, part of it is getting, is, is the, the elimination and I, that word sounds too harsh, but somehow to, um, to quell the extreme hate that some people have for other people. It's, um, I've never understood what, what drove that um that 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 level of of hate i mean it was funny because that first week when i was talking with my students right after the attacks um and i mentioned you know they said well who is hamas and i said well and i explained who they were and i said and their 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 chief aim is the destruction of israel and one of my students said um so why does everybody hate israel 
And I said, well, if you got six months, I mean, you know, <laughs> um, there's a long history there. Um, and so, you know, I, I think a lot of it is, um, is almost hereditary. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But there's something to be said about, you know, it, maybe I don't thoroughly understand hate, but it seems to me if you watch your parents murdered as a child that there's no way to incorporate that into the rest of your life and that manifests itself as hatred for generations to come and that's on both sides yeah no, how can there right. not be you know yeah, i think you're right you just and cry. That, yeah and, and i think that people who are able to um to um to reconcile themselves with that kind of trauma are incredible people um, I, I don't know that I could, yeah. um, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's incredibly yeah. admirable, but I also think it's, it's fairly rare. I mean, it's the Hatfields and the McCoys, right? That's really what it is, right? I mean, you got the two sides who are, are fighting against each other. And at some point it almost seemed as if, you know, they were fighting against each other because that was just in their genes. And it was just like, we don't even know what we're fighting about. We need a Romeo and Juliet. You know, we, you know. Use the Capulet. Back <laughs> <laughs> to you, Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 oh, the dark humor. <laughs> yeah. I don't, on some level, I, I, I can't help but think that there's, there is a heart of gold about to emerge from this area, whether it's through literature or whether it's through a child children being born seeing this sometimes being exposed to elements that you should never be exposed to gives you a rare glimpse into the world in which no one else can see mm -hmm. and it's those are the visionaries those are the mystics those are the people that have the ability to guide us out of the dark times and often they're born into the darkest times yeah 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 i mean it, it you know it it makes me think about um you know the the young the young uh, girl in Afghanistan who her name escapes me now the one who was attacked on the bus who became such a celebrity Ariana uh, no um, no no oh somebody listening yep. help us. Oh, I know Malala, Malala. there you go thank you Malala um, who became a you know a Pakistani <laughs> activist after being attacked just for who she was and. Um, you know, I think that there are situations like that, and and maybe that's that's what's ultimately going to uh, to save us. I don't know. I don't know. It's 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 difficult, and 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 that's why you know the rallies. Yeah, I get I get the rallies. Um, the rallies also sometimes disturb me because sure. they seem to, in some in some instances. They seem to be simplistic. Of course. It's like, it's not that easy. You know, um, you know, cease fire now. Sure. Great. H how are we going to do that? Mm -hmm. um, the Israelis say they're not going to do it. They want the hostages back. The uh, Hamas says that they're, they're not giving the hostages back until there's a ceasefire. So, so there we are. Catch 22. Right. Um, so I, you know, so the people who who rally for that, I mean, I understand the need to 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 voice your your thoughts, but I'm not sure how helpful that is. Um, I mean, there was a rally last night in D.C. that apparently became rather violent um, at the Senate office building, mm. um, and and that was a a ceasefire now um, rally. I, I believe it was a pro-Palestinian rally. Um, and then, you know, earlier in the week, there was a huge rally for Israel on the mall um, that was planned. That was on Tuesday, I believe. And um, the security in D.C. was unbelievable. And a colleague of mine who is a, a, a Twitter um, addict, um, or, or I should say yeah. the, the platform formerly known as Twitter, or whatever the <laughs> hell we're calling it these days, um, she came up to see me at one point during the day and I said, so what have you heard? I said, I, I'm not turning CNN on. I don't want to see what's yeah. happening, you know, and luckily it ended up being a fairly peaceful day, but, um, you know, those kinds of things are just incendiary. Um, 
and and you know when we had the rally here right afterwards at the Jewish Community Center on the Wednesday after the attack, um, it was packed for one thing. I was really amazed, but it was funny because um, I walked into it and I was like, I don't think there are any police in Newport News who aren't here. Um, you know who's who's policing the streets because yeah. it seemed like every Newport News news cop was at the rally, you know policing in the parking lot and they were there for protection you know which I, you know we all thanked them for it too i mean you know for doing that but um it's just sad that that's what has to happen now um, in order for there know, to be but, a discussion <laughs> well i mean at the risk of 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 you know of uh sounding like rodney king you know why can't we all just get along right i mean you know <laughs> i mean it, it's pretty simplistic statement but you know, you got to wonder, why can't we? There's no money in it. There's no well, money in getting along. There's no money that's in peace. part of it, yeah. Damn money and the <laughs> capitalism, yeah. <laughs> Everything driven by the buck. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, 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 I, was, I was listening to CNN this morning in my car and on the way into campus, and they were talking about the, um, the visit yesterday of the Chinese... Uh, oh, yeah. uh, President Xi to 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 meet with Biden in San Francisco, and then I guess there was a big dinner last night. That was I don't know who sponsored it, but it was it was not not a not a government thing uh, for for the Chinese president, and all of the big guns were there: Elon Musk, the president of FedEx. I mean, all of these. You know, it's just yeah, it's a damn money. Yeah. On, on a related side note, what I find fascinating about these big dinners is always like the, the little jabs they do. Like I remember when Putin went over to see President Xi, he brought him like a big pot of honey because President Xi hates to be called Winnie the Pooh. So he brought like a big thing of honey. Yeah. But then, you know, I saw when this is a while back when Minister a Shinzo Abe, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it. Yeah, Abe. Yep. When he in went Japan. to Israel, they, they served him, they served him his soup in a shoe. Mm -hmm. You start thinking about like the implications of that. Like that's funny, but like, whoa, there's so yeah. much in there. Like, yeah. oh, wow, what a statement this is. Like there's, yeah. there's so much that happens. And I guess that this brings us back to imagery and imagination and conveying what is really happening and meaning. And you know, that, that, that's something too. If we, if we bring it back to the ordeal by labyrinth or we bring it back to the, the idea of Ignatius and, and, and the Jesuits is, is imagery and, imagination and meaning like i think there's a lot of meaning that we may not be getting in today's world what do you think yeah well i think it's 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 an inability for us to accurately and intelligently interpret yeah. symbolism yeah um you know it's funny because i was just this morning um teaching a class to our lifelong learning society which is mostly retirees um and uh just finished a, a five week bit with them on the on the bible they wanted to to do something on the bible and so today we talked about the book of revelation <laughs> and i mean you know the symbolism is just all over the place and it, and it can be just yeah. about anything you want it to be and so you know the the last slide i put up was 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 you know a picture of sigmund freud and it said sometimes a cigar is just a cigar <laughs> um you know but our 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 real inability to to understand the power of symbols yeah and what they mean and um both both in a good way and a bad way right um and i i you know it was funny because at the end of the class um they want me to teach another class in the spring and i said well what do you what, what do you want you know what would you like and somebody said how about a class on the book of revelation i said hell no i am not doing that. <laughs> hell no absolutely not that is Sorry. not happening um, because I mean, it, it, you can read that book any way you want. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, the, 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 six, six, six with the antichrist, you know, and I was saying that, you know, for, for many years, people said, oh, that was Hitler. Right. I mean, when I was in college, it was Ronald Reagan mm -hmm. was the antichrist because Ronald Wilson Reagan was six letters, six letters, six letters, six, 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 <laughs> you know, someone had come up with that. So, you know, but as, as Freud says, you know, sometimes a cigar is just a cigar, it's just, you know. Can't go nuts. <laughs> you can. That's a problem. 
Yeah. <laughs> People want to restrict you. Stop going crazy. You yeah. can't help it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, it's absolutely true. It's fascinating to think about. In some ways, I think that that's what's going on in the world today is people are trying to fight for the meaning of symbols. You know, they look at the Doma, like, what does it mean? What does this religious yeah. figure mean? What does this text mean? We're fighting about meaning. It's the song well, and, remains and, the same. And a lot of that is linked to, to misunderstanding history. Right. Agreed. Um, and if we, if we better understood the history, we'd better understand the, the, the meaning of these, these symbols that have, that have persisted. Um, you know, uh, one of my my students last week we were looking at a at a model of the second temple and um you know it, it it the steps up into the temple it was supposed to be seven and then eight steps and she said why is it 15 steps well it's 15 steps supposedly one interpretation because of the 15 songs of ascent in the book of psalms um you're supposed to each step was supposed to be you're supposed to recite a different a different one of those psalms now that's one interpretation of it you know, I don't know if that's if that's accurate, but you know, historically, it's interesting to look at <clears throat> and to think about. You know, what's the historical significance of all of this? Um, you know, the, the 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 season coming up of, of Christmas. You know, I love to talk about this with students because, you know, none of this is 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 biblical. None of this is 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 even historical. I mean, you know, I mean. Jesus was not born in December. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's just kind of funny to look back at it and to understand the way that that transformed then and to talk about how, well, it was an attempt to take the pagan calendar and kind of mush it up with this new religion and not have people just react against it. So, you know, December 25th, the Feast of Saturnalia, the Feast of Saturn becomes Christmas. Right. And a lot of the traditions that go along with that, um, you know, I, I had a laugh the other day. Somebody sent me a cartoon about, um, oh, it was about Thanksgiving and it was uh, it was a bunch of turkeys talking to each other. And and they were just horrified. One of them saying, you know, and, and don't even let's not even talk about what they're going to shove up your butt. <laughs> and I, and I, you know, and, and it just made me think of you know a bunch of, of evergreen trees out in the woods saying you know, and then they're going to tear us down and drag us in their living room. It's like, what the hell is this? It's fun. Uh, why is December even the twelfth month? You know, like or or yeah. well, you know, October is ten. Like, what is? Like, yeah. there, there's well, another problem. The, 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 the mess with the Julian calendar, and, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it is interesting. Yeah, I mean, the, the supposed supposedly, Jesus was born in March. <clears throat> At least that's you know, the the current the current wisdom um, was that he was born in March. But um, yeah, it's 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 interesting though. It is. It is. Yeah, it, taxes. I think it comes down to taxes, right? <laughs> <laughs> It's so funny to me. Oh, David, I love talking to you, my friend. This is awesome. Hey, same here. Same here. <laughs> Good to be back with you, George. Well, I know we're coming up on our hour here. Yeah. I know um, we got we can't have this long of a break. This is this is what happens when we have too yes. long of a break. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we'll we'll, we'll 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 do another one soon. Okay. If not, uh, if not in a week, maybe two weeks. I'll have to look at the calendar and get back to you. Yeah, well, according to according to the true history, Jesus' birthday is coming up very soon. So. It, yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. Before I let you go, where can people find you? What do you have coming up? What are you excited about? Yeah, my uh, my website is David A. Solomon S A L O M O N dot com, um, and you can find links to uh, my publications and speaking stuff and um, podcasts that I've done and and all kinds of stuff. My consulting for education. Um, so, uh, you can check that out. Um, what have I got coming up? We're, we're, my wife and I are finishing a book on angels and demons and pop culture, which I hope will be out next year. Um, I'm still, um, still promoting the seven deadly sins book. In fact, I've yeah. got a book signing in a couple of weeks for it here in Virginia. And, um, what I am excited about that's coming up is next semester. I'm going to teach my museum studies course. Um, and the students are going to curate their own exhibit, which is always fun. And uh, 
starting to put that together and get a sense of what that's going to look like. So it's always fun to plan that. Yeah. And ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to this, whether it's today, tomorrow, in the future, please go and check out the links. Please check out Dr. David Solomon's, his blogs, his books, the book, The Seven Deadly Sins will change. It changed my way that I, I, I saw the deadly sins. And in some ways it helps me interact with them, if that kind of makes sense. But more than that, I think today was a very wonderful episode. And the, the part that I, that I really want people to understand is the way in which you are creatively teaching people. I think that's unique to you. And I haven't heard a lot of people doing it. So thank you for doing it. If people you, who are interested, it's, it's so true. You're, you're pioneering in so many ways, and I love it. And I wish more people will come and see what you're doing so that it can expand like the ripples of a th stone thrown into a clear, calm body of water. <laughs> okay, I'm getting out of control. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for hanging out with us today. That's all we got. Hello. Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years. Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge, and I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now, and it's been so rewarding to me that I would just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true, but you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision, and I hope you all conquer it. And I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.